if you're new to this whole world of baby led weaning and starting solid foods, you might still be on the fence as to whether this approach is going to work for you. And if that's the case, I want to send you my free feeding guide called Will Baby Led Weaning Work for My Baby? This is a guide that contains a decision tree map that you can work your way through to determine if this is the right approach for you guys and then when it's time to start. Grab your copy of Will Baby Led Weaning Work for My Baby on my website at babyledweaning.co slash resources. I was doing my breakfast dishes this morning, turned the garbage disposal on, and then heard that terrible noise when you know something is in the disposal, but like you can totally tell the damage has already been done. Sure enough, it was an easy peasy tiny spoon, totally shredded, which if I've learned anything about these baby lead weaning spoons from Easy Peasy is that the garbage disposal and the dog both love them. And I was bummed because it's one of my favorite colors that they make, the light gray line, which is called pewter. But my garbage disposal disaster, I guess it came at just the right time because Easy Peasy is having their annual Mother's Day sale from this Friday to Sunday, so May 10th to 12th. You can get 20% off all of the Easy Peasy feeding gear with the affiliate discount code BLWMOM on orders of $50 or more. So this is a great time to stock up at 20% off because my regular Easy Peasy code is usually only for 10% off. So this bump up to 20% off is nice, but it's just for three days. So head to easypeasyfun.com to grab tiny spoons, their tiny cups, and the best suction mats and bowls for baby lead weaning. They have a really cool new bundle maker on their website if you want to group or piece a few items together or If you just don't want to think about it, then just grab one of the Easy Peasy First Foods sets. It has everything you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods with baby led weaning. That code is BLWMOM for 20% off Easy Peasy orders of $50 or more now through Sunday, May 12th at easypeasyfun.com. And happy Mother's Day to you. So things like pork shoulder, shoulders of lamb even. I actually cook them in a baking dish or a braising pot, whatever you have. If you don't have either, you can cook it in a foil pan so it's less mess for you when it's done. And when I shred that meat at the end, I mix all of that rendered fat back into it. So that way it is just going to be super, super moist. You reheat it because you want to make sure that you reheat because the fat will congeal and you want all of that nice slippery fat to be on there. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding, leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby led weaning. Question for the meat-eating families. Does the thought of making meat for your baby kind of freak you out? Well, today's guest is going to set your mind at ease. Her name is Taylor Carroll. She's a barbecue pit master out of the Atlanta area. She's also a baby-led weaning mom. Her son, Hayes, is doing our 100 First Foods program. I met her previously on a parent call. She was struggling with some things when he was starting Solid Foods. And I kind of like learned a little bit about her job and I was like, oh my gosh, please, can you come back on the podcast? She has been on the Food Network before. She writes recipes, she ghost writes cookbooks, she does a lot of blog writing, but she also was formerly the pit master for The Big Green Egg. So my husband is from Texas, but he's a huge barbecue fan. He has a big green egg and I've been telling him about this interview and he's like, when are you gonna interview The Big Green Egg Lady? I was like, it's coming, it's coming. So I've been dying to have this interview 
Taylor is dropping so much value in this episode about making meat, you guys. Like this might be the one where you need to like flag it and save it for later or text it to yourself, remind yourself to re-listen because she's got so many great tips in here about making different cuts of meat safe. And we've covered meat a lot on the podcast. So I'm going to drop some of the other related episodes that you might find helpful in the description and the show notes for this episode. But Taylor, this is not the last you're going to hear from her because she is in the thick with her baby. She kind of got over the hump of being scared at the beginning. And now she's fully loving integrating foods that she's making for work. but She's also making them for the baby. And so you can hear her baby Taylor throughout the entirety of this episode. And I know you guys don't care, but I'm just mentioning it so people don't leave comments like, oh, I can hear the baby crying. You guys, she's a real life mom working from home. Her baby woke up. So she's there in the episode with us. He is a chunk. He's so adorable. So she shares a little bit about her baby led weaning journey in this episode as well. I hope you guys love this interview. I had so much fun chatting with barbecue pit master Taylor Carroll, all about barbecue meats that your baby can safely eat. Thank you for having me. So we met previously on a parent call. You and I were talking about like all the things related to Hayes, who had just started solid foods with baby led weaning. I know you're in our program. You guys are knocking off all the foods from the 100 first foods list. So like you're a relatively new mom, but I was so fascinated by your professional story. So I'm going to pick your brain about how Hayes is doing, but could you tell us a bit about your work background and your specialty as a barbecue pit master? Yeah. So of course, so I have loved food my whole life. I have one of those, as they'd call them now, granola moms. (laughs) So like I grew up going to a CSA, which is a community sustained agricultural farm with a little basket, my mom, and we would get whatever was in season and we'd go home and we'd cook it together. And that's what we ate. So I'm not tall. I'm like five, two, five, three. So I like tell my mom I'm little because I didn't get the hormone milk all the other kids got, (laughs) but it was great. So we learned to love cooking through her. And then I showed American quarter horses and the shows are long. We all look the same when you do Western, you're going slow. You're not like going fast and jumping. So the husband's all barbecued and I'm 10 years old at this show. And I see it and I go, what are you doing? They told me it was a man's sport. My dad was behind me. So I got my first grill at 10 years old and started barbecue. I actually went on to be the pit master for Big Green Eggs, North American franchise. I did restaurant consulting. I'm trained in Italian fine dining and pastry. And now I travel around doing live fire events with a brand called Live Fire Republic. And I write blog post recipes and do photography um, for a Hey Grill Hey in the past, currently grillgirl.com and Live Fire Republic. And then a few other brands as a ghostwriter. Okay. So I have to tell you, my husband has been like, when are you interviewing the Big Green Egg Girl? When are you, when's Big Green Egg Girl coming on? Because I had told him about you after we had talked yes. on the podcast. He's like, that is so cool. We have an XL Big Green Egg. We have seven kids. So we kind of have XL everything in life. And he's like, can you find out if they're making an XXL? It's just not big enough. And I was like, it's definitely big enough. And I will sell that XL if something bigger ever comes out because they're they're not one. cheap. But like, okay, what, like, why is a Big Green Egg different? I know you're not working for them anymore. This is not sponsored by Big Green Egg. When people say like, is it just a fancy grill? I'm like, I don't know anything about grilling. So these ceramic grills are more forgiving because ceramic is porous. So it's going to hold in moisture, which is why they say like, don't put lighter fluid in it, only use natural lump charcoal because it will taste like that forever (laughs) if you do it just because ceramic almost kind of breathes like the pores get bigger with the heat. But because it's more forgiving holding in that moisture, you have a little bit more wiggle room. Like if you kind of overcook your chicken, it's not like dead. Like 
if you were to put it in a metal, say like offset smoker that have like the fire on the side, those are not forgiving. If you cook too long on that and you're not spraying it to add moisture or basting it in something or mopping, it's not going to be the same as if you went a little over on an egg. And they do have a double XL that I actually fit inside of. Oh my gosh. Okay. Maybe like three Father's Day from now, I'll be able to afford that. But wait, so what did you do for Big Green Egg? Like what was your job title? So I'm based in Atlanta and Big Green Egg's headquarters is in Atlanta. So initially I went on to be their head culinary instructor. So I would teach the in-person demo classes there. And then I would also travel to events that they were hosting around the country. Um, So like Memphis in May, they used to host the VIP area. So I would do demos for them there and then cook thousands of samples for people. Oh my gosh. So like cooking for Hayes is probably like, is it fun for you? Do you enjoy it? Cause some people that cook professionally are like, Oh, I don't want to do it for my own kids. I know I make baby food all day long and then I have to make my big kids dinner. I'm like, Oh, darn it. Like how was the whole process of starting solid foods with Hayes for you? Like how many foods has he had right now? Were you nervous when you guys started? Like you're a food expert, but now you're feeding your first child real food. How's that go? Yeah. So Hayes has had 57 foods. Two of those were accidents that he literally grabbed from me. Like, you know, babies turn into like an octopus with like eight arms and they're fast and they just grab things. So like he stole a cookie from me this morning. (laughs) It was homemade. So there was nothing bad in it. And then he was like a ravenous dog that like got its first piece of meat that was like, what was that? And I want more. He has done very, very well with food. Like most of my friends that have seven month old babies, they're like, oh, they just kind of play with their plate. My child eats a hundred percent of the food that you give him. And if it's something like asparagus that like he'll chew on for a while and then the stringiness kind of breaks apart, he gets angry that like he can't actually finish eating whatever that piece is. So he's been a lot of fun to feed because he gets some fancy stuff. Like my child eats roasted bone marrow that I whip because it's great for iron. He was eating a farro and tuna salad for lunch today. Okay. I need to learn more about roasted whipped bone marrow. Like when you said iron, you have my heart. I've never thought about making it for a baby. So let's follow up on that exclusive recipe forthcoming. You guys, please stay tuned. I know Hayes is doing great. How did you do? Like, take yourself back to when he's six months of age, you're starting solid foods. What sort of emotions were you feeling if you can conjure those back up? So I'm a pretty like A-type mom. So backtracking a little bit, my baby had horrendous reflux, like to the point that he was napping one day and he used to be a noisy napper and he wasn't making noise and his eyes were rolling in his head and his lips were blue because he was choking on reflux. So my worst nightmare is my baby choking again. Now I was a nanny in college. And so I was CPR first aid certified. I got it redone before I had my baby. So I knew what to do and he came out of it fine, but I was terrified because when you've actually seen choking, you're like, oh my gosh, that can never happen again. And I didn't think he had a gag reflex because he sticks all of his fingers. That's why we met like on our parent call, like when you have to do the intake survey, it was like, baby doesn't have a gag reflex. And it's like, you had filled it out like a week or two before we actually met. And I was like, a hundred percent. This mom is like, whoops, wait a minute. It was just a little too early. And now he totally could gag. So the only, he's only gagged twice. And it was like at the point that it like could have been a choke had he not gotten it out. And we got like the like exorcism vomit with the second one. But yeah, so of course this child likes to eat. He doesn't say no to anything, but we were terrified to feed him. But funny enough, the two things that he's had the bag gagging on, which he did resolve himself, were things that you would not think, like a banana. He just bit off more than he could chew and then accidentally swallowed it when he was trying to cough it up and then projectile vomited it everywhere and then was mad 
because I took the plate from him because it was covered in vomit. Oh, I like when they go into the vomit, fish out the piece of food and put it back in their mouth. Like we video, I mean, I was gross, but we videotape stuff like that all the time because we just want to show parents, listen, they recover from a gag on their own and they go right back to eating. Whether or not it's covered in vomit, you're the only one grossed out by vomit, mom. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. And he was like, wait a minute, like, where is my plate going? Like I was not done with that. So I put some more on there and he was happily eating again right after. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've been thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's a convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online experience. All you do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. I used to think therapy was just for people who have experienced major trauma, but therapy can help you be at your best no matter what you're going through. So whether it's to learn new positive coping skills, set more realistic boundaries, or just show up as a better version of yourself, BetterHelp is here to help. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can help you get there and BetterHelp can help you. Visit betterhelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month. It's like literally four weeks since we talked last time and you are so much more confident in what he's eating. And I just want parents to know, like your baby doesn't start out like that. Like at the beginning, Hayes wasn't eating that much. And because he wasn't eating that much, food wasn't getting to the back of his mouth. And then he wasn't gagging. So Taylor was like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with him because he's not gagging. But like, it just takes time for it all to get together. And then when he gags, you're still kind of freaked out. Are you still freaked out about the choking stuff? Or are you kind of past that? So I'm more past that now that I've seen him work up the gag. And actually one of the first baby led weaning videos I ever watched was your video of other people's babies gagging. So I could tell the difference on what it looked like versus like if he were choking. Oh, we've been doing tons of that stuff for like seven years at this point because it is, I mean, it is weird content, but like parents need to see it. They also need to hear it. We used to put like when reels just came out, we'd like, you know, put them to music and trending audio and people are like, can you please stop? I'd like to hear what the gag sounds like. And that's so important, right? Because with gagging, they make noise. Air is passing through. That's a good thing. If there's no noise, they're choking if they're blue or purple. Like that's not good. Exactly. So he is very confident in his ability to eat and actually like very typical baby led weaning baby. We were at a restaurant the other day, brought him his own meal. He was fully set up. He wanted my burger, like screamed at the top of his lungs with both. He's not your vegan baby. We talked about this. He loves meat. (laughs) He does love meat. And meat has been very easy to feed him because we make it very soft to the point that you could shred it between your fingers and like a pincer grasp. So his gums have no problem pulling it apart. We just do make sure that he either has some sips of his milk between eating because he will kind of mash some against the roof of his mouth. So we want to make sure that it's not getting too stuck up there to where it could get him (laughs) when he does. Dry meats are a huge choking hazard. Adding liquid, adding moisture, no salt broth, the cooking juice, the liquefied fat, whatever it is, breast milk, pour it on it. As long as there's some moisture there, it really helps. And I want to ask you about the meats because 
For families who eat animal foods, they they worry about, you know, how do I make meat safe for my baby to eat? My mantra personally as a baby-led weaning dietitian who's done this with thousands of babies is if you can shred the meat between your fingers and your thumb, then it's safe for your baby to eat with their gums. And the key is what you said earlier there, Taylor. It's that soft, shreddable cuts of meat. And parents are like, yeah, but which one? So we do a lot of education on how to choose meats. We've had, you know, butchers on the podcast to talk about different cuts and why dark meats with more fat are safer. But like as a barbecue pit master, which cuts of meat that you've worked with have you fed to Hayes doing baby led weaning with your seven month old? So if we are doing red meats, I say go for shanks because they're very full of intramuscular fat and just, hey, just connective tissue and muscle. They don't have a lot of sinew or silver skin on them, which can be a choking hazard. Chuck is a great one. And then brisket. So like there's actually like a brisket on a lamb. Obviously they have it on beef, things like pork belly, anything that is going to have a very high ratio of fat to that muscle fiber. And also you don't want to take something that you've never seen used as a low and slow meat, like a filet or a ribeye and use that. Because if you look at it in the package, the muscle fibers are shorter. They're not those long stretched fibers. So because of that, they're going to get kind of like gristly and gritty when you cook them down. They're not going to have a lot of fat to them. They're going to dry out. So you want to look for the bigger cuts that are just loaded with fat marbled through them. And I love that you pointed that out because this is a big issue that we deal with. So many parents that come into our community are like, Katie, I'm so confused. I see on other accounts, they're offering things like steak and solid pieces of pork chop. And it's exactly what you talked about. It's like not understanding about basic food preparation and the way the connective tissue and the fat and the muscle works. And then just saying babies can eat all meat. That's certainly not true. Solid pieces of meat like that, that you can't shred with that short connective tissue. Those are choking hazards for your babies. Even for toddlers, you guys, they really, really struggle with them. So I think it's so important that you're educating about this. Now, give me some examples of the cuts that you stay away from for your baby. Pork chop, tenderloin. Like I said, things like ribeye, even though they look fatty, they are not going to cook down the same when you're cooking to the level that they need to. But because that they have a lot of fat, it's going to pull into breakable pieces that are not shreddable. Are you adding? He's like, I want the ribeye though. And that was actually how we found you as well, because a lot of those accounts are telling you, oh, give your baby a big piece of pork chop there. Fine. Okay. Meet baby super gums over here who can rip off a giant chunk of pork chop and then needs it assisted getting out of his mouth because this child eats everything that he puts in his mouth because he's used to being fed things that he can mash and then swallow. And I'm not going to let him choke on a pork chop. So things like pork shoulder, shoulders of lamb even. I actually cook them in a baking dish or a braising pot, whatever you have. If you don't have either, you can cook it in a foil pan so it's less mess for you when it's done. And when I shred that meat at the end, I mix all of that rendered fat back into it. So that way it is just going to be super, super moist when you reheat it because you want to make sure that you reheat because the fat will congeal and you want all of that nice slippery fat to be on there. Your baby's going to be messy after. Don't use an apron on them or whatever it is you use to feed them if you really like it because it's going to get stained and be a slippery disaster. We've kind of learned we don't buy cute bibs anymore. We're like, okay, this little muslin cloth is tie-dye from food stain. So Taylor, I think a lot of parents are scared of grilling meats for their whole family to eat, particularly moms. If they're like you as a 10-year-old girl, be like, oh, girls can't grill. They're not super comfortable with the grill. 
Tell us what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see home cooks make when they're trying to grill or barbecue meats? Okay. So some of the biggest mistakes that you might see are if you're using a charcoal grill, you need to wait until you can't see the smoke coming out of it anymore. Um, We call it clear blue smoke because if you look real close, you can still see it coming out of the top vent. But if it is billowing white smoke, you're going to get a bitter acrid taste on your food. And it might even have kind of like a black residue on it, which isn't great for you or your baby ingesting, but also it's going to have a very strong, unpleasant flavor. And babies care about the flavor too. (laughs) So for anyone that you're preparing meat for, I definitely recommend waiting until you hit that point on the grill. And then another mistake that you see is people are going by done temperatures online. So like they'll look, it'll be like, oh, this pork shoulder is done at 145. Well, if you're doing barbecue, It's like 195 to 203 degrees Fahrenheit is the internal temperature. And what you look for is stick a probe in there. If it probes like peanut butter or room temperature butter, you're done. So you're kind of looking more for a feel because it's variable. Oh, interesting, because I thought you were going to say people are going by done temps. What they do is they cook it to the temp and then they take it off. They tent it. It continues to cook. It goes way up and over. But you're saying people are pulling it too early? A lot of people are pulling too early because you can, like you said, tent it or wrap it tightly in foil. So when I'm making food for haze, I actually smoke it until like 165 degrees. And then I'll add unsalted stock into the bottom of my pan. Um, You can even add things like orange juice if they're a little bit older or you don't care about the little bit of natural sugar in there. I don't recommend pineapple juice because the bromelain acid in it will break down meat after a while. So that's like an after it's cooked, right as you serve kind of mix in. But add in whatever broth or stock you want or liquid. People do apple juice, whatever kind of flavor you're looking for, more spices. Cover that pan up and then finish cooking. So what you're doing is you're creating a braising liquid that you can then save. So I do tend to make meat separate for haze. And what I do is is I have all of these little ice cube forms for like big, like whiskey cubes. And I freeze portions for him in the cubes. So as I'm making his meals, I pull them out and I prepare them. And then the protein is done. So I have like a freezer full of ready proteins for my baby. And when I thaw them, because I've spooned that braising liquid back in, not only is the fat there to help make it kind of nice and slip, but there's also that additional liquid that goes in his plate as well. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. From the terrifying power of tornadoes to sizzling summer temperatures, AccuWeather Daily brings you the top trending weather-related story of the day, every day of the week. You can learn a lot in just a few minutes. Stories that will impact you, such as how a particular hurricane may affect your area, or will that impending snow event bring more than just a winter wonderland? Occasionally, there are weather-related stories from the lighter side, like how a recent storm trapped tourists inside Agatha Christie's house, a setup perfect for a plot of one of her novels. And if there's a spectacular meteor shower or eclipse coming your way, We'll let you know if the sky in your area will be clear to check out the celestial display. You see, AccuWeather Daily is more than just weather. It's AccuWeather. Listen and subscribe to AccuWeather Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's AccuWeather Daily wherever you get your podcasts. 
And Taylor made an excellent point that when we're offering meats to baby, whereas for a lot of the foods, I really don't care about the temperature, do it cold, hot, room temperature, whatever, obviously don't burn your baby's mouth. But with meats, we definitely want them to be reheated and either at or above room temperature. Like think about yourself trying to eat a cold burger, even if it was a high fat cut of ground beef, it's still going to be very challenging for you to swallow and you as an adult with all your saliva and decades of practice swallowing food. For our babies, we really, really need those meats to be lubricated by the fat. So when you cook the meat, the fat liquefies, lubricates those protein strands, which in turn makes it safer for your baby to swallow. Yes. And then things like chicken thighs, if I'm making those, I actually like to use a mini loaf pan and I put one thigh per mini pan and I buy them boneless, skinless already, just because if you have a kind of needier baby, like my guy, (laughs) you don't have the time to cut all of the cartilage and skin and kind of hard fat off as well. Cause there is a difference. Like if you're buying a brisket and you're going to cook it for your family and serve it to your baby, the really hard fat is not going to be that velvety gelatiny, soft fat when it's done. It's just going to be kind of gross. So you do cut that off, but then you leave all of the good soft fat. So these chicken thighs, I'll season up. I'll put them in the little tins and I cook them individually and I can add salt to ones for adults and leave his unsalted. And they're kind of like little individual meals. Taylor, do you want to be in my fan club for the mini loaf pan of cooking baby led weaning foods? Like I love it so much. We just made a YouTube video all about it because Literally anything that I used to fry as a fritter, I now cook in a loaf pan because when you, mini loaf pan, when you pull it out and you can cut it in those little pieces about the size of your adult pinky finger, you can also freeze them in whole pieces. I do it uh, not so much in, in the ice cube trays, but more in like a food storage container with parchment paper separating it so you can just break the piece off that you want. But like these are amazing food prep tips and that the mini loaf pan is my jam. Like I can't say enough about it. I'm gonna try your chicken thighs recipe. Let's get in touch about that because I'd love to share that with families as well. Let's talk a little bit about cost because I think sometimes parents are like, oh, meat's too expensive. But like what I love about making soft shreddable cuts of meat is that it tends to be the cheaper cuts of meat, which are the easiest to make safe for babies. So give us some tips there on food cost and making these cuts safe for your baby. So things like chuck roast, super cheap. I just bought like a five pound one from a butcher shop, not even from a grocery store. And it was like $17. And it's enough food for him portion like that for like two weeks if I wanted to serve it to him every day for two weeks. And this child eats a lot. (laughs) So I am a big fan of chuck roast if you're trying to be cost effective. Pork shoulder at most grocers goes on sale very, very often. It is a minimal waste product because they're trimming it before. Because like if you buy something like brisket, brisket is expensive now because everybody got into backyard barbecue. (laughs) So it used to be like two bucks a pound. And now you're lucky if you get it for under five and it's a bigger piece of meat. So you're usually looking at like minimum $65 if you're going to buy a brisket. So that's not as cost effective for every family. And it's a little bit harder to master that without it being dry. But what you can do is you can buy a point of the brisket. A lot of butcher shops that are doing a short rib chuck brisket burger, like a house burger, are grinding the point of the brisket, which is the fattier portion, and they are putting out brisket flats because they're two muscles on top of each other. So you can actually ask your butcher if they have any points of the brisket, and they should be able to give that to you. And it's a little bit cheaper. It's smaller. So if you don't have seven children, (laughs) you just freeze the rest of it. I love that, though. It's like you're not going to make no one's asking to make a brisket every week. Make it once every two months and then freeze the excess portions. Yes, which we do. And we use it in all kinds of stuff. Like we make 
5 million like pies and different noodle dishes with it and all kinds of stuff. And that's the other thing. I think a lot of people, when they think grilled food or barbecue, they are thinking it has to be seasoned like that. And it doesn't. You can use any flavor profile. So like I said, I have a background in Italian food. So I will even make like a pesto and cover meats in pesto, especially like chicken thighs. We really like to do that. And I'll keep the meat separate. I'll heat the meat up and I'll kind of add it on the side of like a pasta salad that I might make for him that I'll make with kale and he doesn't have a nut allergy. So I will put pine nuts ground really fine into things like that for him. And then you guys can eat that too, though. That's the beauty of this. Like you're busy, you're working, you don't have time to make two separate meals. You're doing work stuff, cooking for your family, your the adults in your family and Hayes can eat it as well. It's amazing. Yes. And you can also always salt food after you've taken baby's portion, um, especially if it's something that's pulled or chopped. Most pitmasters, if you're going to like competitions or restaurants, we add seasoning and stuff in after we've cooked it anyway. We do season it before, but more of that flavor is built after. Can I tell you my one beef with barbecue? So my husband's from Austin and like, I got to ask you a little bit about geographical differences. And we live in San Diego. Like if I had it my way, we'd be vegetarians because I'm too lazy to cook meat. But I love like learning from people that like you, like, no, it doesn't have to be that expensive. It's not that hard. But when you go to barbecue in Texas and they're like, oh, this barbecue is the best place in blah, 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 blah. Why do they give you white bread with it? I'm like, if your barbecue is so good, why are you serving like the grossest, most nutritionally void food in the world alongside with it? I don't understand the white bread thing. Is that a thing in Atlanta? Every barbecue place gives you like to call it Texas toast with it. I don't know why. So like my husband will make like a little mini sandwich. Like He'll put coleslaw on it. He'll put whatever pulled meat he might've picked, whether that's chopped brisket or chicken or something on the Texas toast and eat it that way. I'm anti-toast. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to eat a thousand calories in one sitting, it's not going to be on toast. From this crappy white bread. Then sure, I could go for that. But it's going to be like banana pudding, not Texas toast for me. Okay, Taylor, I got to ask you about like regional geographical differences. Like you have, tell us a little bit about being on Food Network. And I did a lot of research looking at all the work that you've done prior to this. From the Atlanta area, how is barbecue in your area of the United States different than maybe other parts of the country? So Atlanta's fun because we are not geographically defined. So you can kind of do whatever you want. Like if you're in Texas, it's all beef. It's expected that it's all beef. If you're going to do a heavy pork menu, people are going to be like, why are you in Texas? If you go into the Carolinas, they do whole hog. And it is a vinegar-based sauce or mop that they're doing or like Carolina vinegar kind of mustard sauce. So it definitely is defined. Kansas City is that sweet barbecue sauce. So it's fun to not be in a box. He's like, yeah, it is. So we're not in a defined box of what is normal for us or what's expected. You can make fresh sauces with things like peaches that are really ripe, peel the skin, puree them with a little bit of vinegar. I do recommend not serving your babies anything that you buy at an actual barbecue restaurant, unless you can ask for sure what's in it. Cause most of it's very, very heavy salt. There's a lot of honey, even if it's granulated in the rub or in the sauce. And also always read the label if you're going to be using a prepackaged barbecue rub, because there are a lot of them that use MSG as well, which as an adult, I don't really have a huge problem with in moderation, but I would not give it to my baby. So you do want to read labels. You can always make it yourself. Our kind of go-to is cumin, 
we put this all in a spice grinder. So we'll do cumin, oregano, paprika, and a little bit of ancho chili and orange peel. And then we'll kind of blast that together and put that on the meats for haze. And when we finish, we do apple cider vinegar. Okay, Taylor, rapid fire here before we close it out. What's been the hardest food so far for you to make for haze and why? The hardest food for me has been anything I have to serve whole. (laughs) Um, And it's actually not usually things that I make. It's things like a banana because my child is like a brute. So like he'll grab it with his whole hand. And if half of it's sticking out, he's putting the whole thing in his mouth. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. Hi, friends. Are you looking for a storytime podcast with your littles? Something that has some great storytelling and maybe some conversation about it? Look no further. With Storytime with Philip and Mommy, my little guy Philip and I sit down every single day and read a story together. And we, of course, want you to join us. Grab your copy of the book, sit down, let's read it, and let's talk about it. We'll learn new words, we'll learn new ideas, and then we'll learn how we can use those stories in our lives. It's a lot of fun. Classics like Little Golden Books or Bernstein Bears, all the way up through the newest phenomenons like Bluey. We talk about them and we have a lot of laughs. It's a great time and we hope that you can come and join us. So please look for us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Storytime with Philip and Mommy. Thanks so much. We'll see you there. Okay, but just continue to cut the foods and strips about the size of your adult pinky oh, finger. Like, I know it feels weird, but like, well, he's going to pretty soon be getting his pincer grass, but it's uncomfortable to watch that overstuffing. But as long as he's not actively choking, you don't need to do anything because he's going to realize that feels uncomfortable and make the micro adjustments the next time he goes to eat. It's like, you're right. I am. As he, you guys, he's literally putting his whole hand in his mouth right now. He's like, watch me. Okay. Yeah. Taylor, food you haven't done yet, but you want to do next. So we are going to make him his first brisket here shortly because I haven't. He's just gotten to the point that he sleeps 13 hours through the night. But that's when you cook brisket, right? It doesn't mean you cook it all night. night. So I'm going to do it now and I'll be able to keep an eye on it without having to go and take care of baby at like potential crucial steps of doing that. Oh my God. I love it. Your new baby sleeping through the night brisket. It's going to be the best recipe ever. My celebration brisket, right? Okay. What's been the best thing about doing baby led weaning with Hayes? He loves food. Like how excited he is about it and how much he loves it makes it like so worth the anxiety of watching your baby like shovel things into their face. Cause like I put him in his high chair in the morning and I have him watch me make his breakfast for him. Cause like in a restaurant, he's not instantly going to get his food. So we're kind of working on the patient's aspect because he sits down. He's like, oh, yeah, this is my feeding throne. Something is coming for me. But he just loves food. Everything. The, the restaurant weight does not get easier as they get older. My kids are like, how come we why are we always eating slow food? And I was like, so you learn to sit at a restaurant and talk to other people. But I feel your pain. But that's great that he's excited about baby led weaning. And tell us for our audience that wants to go learn more about your work, see your recipes, read your articles. Where can they go? So mainly livefirerepublic.com. It's also an Instagram um, as one word, exactly as it sounds. I'll have recipes that are being published on that site. And then I am reachable through Taylor underscore Carol underscore cooks as my personal page on there. I'm actually about to start posting recipes and stuff again. As I mentioned, I am a ghostwriter. So when I had the baby and when I was pregnant, I kind of stepped away from personal content just because I was doing recipes and photography for others. And as a new mom, I didn't have the time. 
So now I'm going to be posting things again, and I'm actually going to do adaptations of like for you and for baby. I love that. That's what parents want to know. And it's really pretty much the same thing, just without salt and sugar and some texture modifications too. But thank you so much for coming on because meat really can be challenging. And it's so inspiring to see the work that you're doing and then being able to incorporate that into your life as a mom and feeding Hayes all these foods. So congratulations on all your guys' success. And thank you again for sharing your time and your expertise with us. Thank you. We appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Taylor Carroll, like a female mom pitmaster. How cool is that? We were talking more about her job after the interview. And I'm just like so enamored by her because she's putting into practice all the stuff that she does for work. So she does a lot of ghostwriting. She was telling me like famous people who like want to write cookbooks. She helps them with that. And she's like been able to kind of blend her work with having the baby at home. And she said, because I do a lot of photo shoots, like you can't hear the baby crying in the back of a photo shoot, which is pure genius. Anyway, I'm going to link up all of Taylor's resources that she mentioned in this episode on the show notes, which you can find at blwpodcast.com forward slash 350. A special thanks to our partners at Airwave Media. If you guys like podcasts that feature food and science and using your brain, check out some of the podcasts from Airwave. We're online at blwpodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. 